so much. You may be seated. So as I was reading the word this week, you know, I came across this passage again early in the week. And I mean, it's a passage that I have read several times before I know it. It's in a song, Search Me, O God. You know that song, right? So we know the song, we sing the song. But I mean, this time it really jumped out at me. You know, not like jump out at me, but, you know, jump out at me. Like it made more sense. Um, finally, I mean, in my reading. And so on Wednesday night, we had uh, one of my friends who ministered at Bible study. And amazingly, he used the same scripture. And I never told him where I was going. So I said, this must be the Lord. So as I read the word this time around, the thought that God brought to my heart is that, that this is actually a, a prayer of courage. It's a very courageous prayer that David prayed, given the person David was and that we read about. Most people, when they think about David, they think about him as a shepherd boy, or they think about David and Bathsheba, David and Goliath. The important stories stood out. Remember when we started this series, we spoke about how David had a son called Absalom, and you know he had a next son that slept with a sister, and that you know, tricked the sister and kind of raped her and then kind of messed her up and then the brother kept it up and killed that brother and then David kind of forgave him when David said, all right, now that I've forgiven you, you can come back home and then he tried to kill David and take over the kingdom from David and then he ended up dying and David said, well, my heart is overwhelmed. David, David was saying, I couldn't take it anymore. So this is the same David that is praying this prayer saying, God, search me. And know my heart, I pray. See if there be any wicked way in me. That, that's tough. Like, it, like, it's like giving someone permission to show up at your house unknowingly anytime and give them full access to your home. So listen. Anytime you're ready, just walk into my house and search up everything to see. And I guarantee you, there's nothing ungodly you will find. This, this is like what David is really praying right here. All right, but before we get into that, did you know it is easy to dress the part and play the good Christian? It's easy. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. Looking at you this morning, you're so elegantly attired. Just by the look of you. I mean, church makes everybody look godly. That, that's the thing about church. Like, really do you go to church? Well, some people do because, I mean, some people have some eyes. They come to church and they can't tell where all the demons are, but they can't tell where the godly are. I don't know how they do it. They will come to church and they can identify every demon in church, but they can't identify God. They have eyes to see all the demons and they don't see God moving in church. So this morning... Looking at you, you are all elegantly attired. And if looks could get you to heaven, the rapture would happen right now. Come on, clap yourselves. You're, that's how good you're looking. If it, if, if it took good looks to get people and well attired to get to heaven, right now the rapture would take place. And who is not here? I don't know what would happen to them. But I know that would be all gone in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. So it's easy to dress the part and to be a good Christian. And churches are filled with people every Sunday that do that. It doesn't take much courage to do that. To turn up. To play the game. To look good on the outside while inside we are rotting away. 
So this passage is really a prayer of courage for all who take up the cross of Jesus. It is a prayer of courage because if you're going to be real in your walk with God, you're going to pray this prayer probably more than once. Possibly every day. And I say a prayer of courage because in this prayer you will ask God to lay it all out. To examine every part of your life. Bring it to the front. And then, and then God will want to deal with it. So just remember, when he does it, it was you who prayed for it. So it's a dangerous prayer to pray. So whenever we get tired of dressing the part, tired of playing the game, we, like David, will cry out and say what David said, which is, number one, search me. Hallelujah. Come on, just say that. Say, Lord, search me. I love that, right? So David tells the Lord here, search me, O God. He's saying, God, look at every aspect of my life. In, in fact, um, we, we heard this on Wednesday. In the Hebrew, the word that search comes from is a word that means ramsack. You know that kind of a search. Ladies knows this. They know this very well. They're going to church and they, they had an earring, a pair of earring that they wanted to wear. And somehow they, they can't find one. And they're going to get to church late. I'm just telling you that because, I mean, they're going to search. When, when, it, when this kind of search is happening, uh, it's amazing how people search things, right? When people lose things and they're searching for it, they search everywhere, even places they have never been. Have you ever lost anything important? Like people put their phones down and they go in the bathroom to look for it. They open the tank in the bathroom to look for the phone. Because they're saying, oh my God, where could it be? They go in the kitchen cupboard and they take out all the pots and the pans and they're checking underneath. They, open, they go in the garbage bag and they pull out the garbage and they, they clean the garbage bin because they're saying, just in case when I was throwing away the, the banana peel, it may have just slipped out of my hand and has gone in there. Let me search in there. Listen, listen, they, they, they go where they put the passport and they say, I wonder if I was thinking about my passport and hide it in that secret compartment somewhere. Like, like, like they do that. This is what, listen, David said, God, do that, do that. Listen, God, when I say search me, I mean do that. Ramsack, shake up my life. Go, come in, God. Just go to the places that I, I, I'm not expecting you to go. Are you ready for that? So ask your neighbor, are you ready for that kind of search? I, I don't know. No, I don't know. Maybe by the end of the message, I'll get there. But right now, I'm really thinking like, God, I, right? I mean, everywhere, God, mind, heart, soul, everywhere. Because to search means to examine. It means to I- investigate. It means to explore. It means to seek out. So David is saying, God, examine it. Examine me. Come up, take a close look at what is going on on the inside of me. Scrutinize me, God. Investigate me. Get your, um, you, you know, little magnifying glass and magnify stuff, Lord God. Get all the things necessary. Check me out deep, deep down inside and find out what's going on. That's what David is saying. To the Lord. And when he does that, you know what he's doing? He is opening the door 
for God to go into the places we try to keep secret from everyone, even from him. David is saying, God, I know when I say this to you, you're going to go into some places that I, I wasn't thinking you'd go. I had an experience like this a few years ago, right? Uh, um, for, for the Americans, you have to understand it. In Jamaica, a passport with a visa stamp in it is critical for a Jamaican. It is, it is one of those things that you, you can't see it when you go to their houses. It's normally in a big box that is hidden in a suitcase, in a next bag, in a brown envelope, that is in the passport case, in a plastic bag, somewhere that they're not going to tell you. All right? I mean, they hide it so far away. Listen, the only time you see it is when they are probably going to the airport the night before. Yeah. I mean, can I get an amen from the Jamaican? You all know what I'm talking about. Don't pretend like you don't do that. Right? So, 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 so there was a time when I lost mine. And I, at that time, I was a youth pastor. So I had to ask, I told the pastor and his wife, and they just said, you know what? We have to come and search for that. How could you lose it? Um, you know, you can't tell the pastor no. So I said, yes. So they turned up at my house when I was not there because they had a key. Because one of the things I did as a single man in my time as a youth leader, I gave the pastor, who was my mentor, a key. And I told him, like, anytime you want to visit my house, you have an open door. And you don't have to tell me. You just turn up. I mean, you don't have to do that, right? You don't have to give me your keys. But I'm just saying that I, I just did that just because I wanted to keep myself accountable. All right? So they turn up and they go to my house. And they search everywhere. I can tell you this. I didn't expect that they would search some places. I mean, they went in my underage and they turned up everything and they turned out everything because they ain't touching anything. They're just flinging them over. <laughs> so they ransacked the place. I mean, they went through every DVD that I had. They went through the DVD case. They went through pots and pans. They went underneath the bed. They turned the bed, the mattress over. They did all of these things, uh, right? So, 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 I mean, the good thing is that, hallelujah, they found nothing. Let me, no, you know what? Let me, say, let me say it this way. There was nothing for them to find. <laughs> right? So I don't want you to think like, oh, he hid it well. No, no, there was nothing. <laughs> there, was, there was nothing for them to find. But, but this is what you're doing. You're saying, God, come in and search. Just go through. Go through and just search right through me. So David says, search my heart and search my mind. You see, the heart and the mind are the center of man's being. And that's what David is saying. Know my very being. In fact, in Psalm 26 verse 2, David says, examine my heart and my mind. Examine them, Lord. Examine my heart and examine my mind. Jeremiah 17 verse 10. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. I search the heart. I examine the mind. I do an investigation. I'm checking out your mind to see your thoughts. Now let me ask you this. Are you okay? Do you believe that God is okay with your thought life? Like, like if God were to turn up and read out all your thoughts to your spouse, would you be happy? If God says, today, 
All your thoughts are going to be revealed to your wife. All your thoughts are going to be revealed to your husband. All your thoughts are going to be revealed to your mother. All your thoughts are going to be revealed to your boss. Hold up Jesus, hold up Jesus. We're not there yet. We can do the children thing and the spouse thing, but the boss thing, uh, give me around a week. (laughs) I need to realign some stuff, Jesus. Come on, now you know who it is. says, God examined my heart and my mind. says, I the Lord search the heart and the mind. So if we ask God to do this, we better realize that God will search all of us and every aspect of us. And honestly, that's what David wanted. He wanted to be pure. He wanted to be clean and right with God. And he wanted nothing to be between him and God. So he says, God, you know what? I don't want anything in my life that's going to keep me away from you. Keep you away from me. So God, you know what? Come and search me. And anything that is there that ought not to be there, I need to know, Lord. i tell you why this is important. You must remember this. That God covers what we expose. And he exposes what we cover. Say that again. God covers what we expose and he exposes what we cover. For the scripture says, the love of God covers a multitude of sin. The righteousness of God exposes sin. The love of God covers sin. So I always say this, listen, I want to expose my sin So God can cover it. You remember what had happened to Adam and Eve? When they were trying to hide, they were exposed. And when they got exposed, they got covered. Amen? The same God that found them is the same God that covered them. So look what David said. If you go earlier up in verse 7 of the same Psalm 139, David says... Where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? So God knows. So if you ask God to search you, rest assured that there will be nothing hidden from him. Just ask your neighbor, do you want God to search you? And if they say yes, say right now, give him permission. Come on, talk to them. Say, right now, if, you, if they say yes, ask them. You need to ask them, do you want God to search you? And if they say yes, so well, right now, give God permission. And listen if they will say, God, search me. Because you want them to say that. God, search me. Jeremiah understood this as he says um, of God in Jeremiah 23, 24. Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him? That's a good question. There is no place that you can hide where God cannot see you. So God is not searching for God's eyes. God is searching for our eyes. In other words, he's not searching so he can see it because he already does. He's searching so he can reveal it to us so we can acknowledge it. You understand why it's important? Because too often, and it happens to all of us including me, you just don't know that you have up somebody until something come up. Have that ever happened to you? You think you're alright with something and somebody? I've seen that happen sometimes. I've seen people, they, they look okay. And the moment somebody gets a big break in life, you realize that they had something in their heart. How could you get to go 
the job before. How could you get married before me? I've, I've heard people say like that. I can't believe you get married before me. I, d- I didn't know that there was a race going on. I, I thought we were like, 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 people are like that. You don't realize sometimes that something is in your heart until something else happens and triggers it. And that is why it's important to say, God search me because you may not know, but it may be there. Amen? Jesus says in Luke 8, verse 17, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. Come on, say that with me. Let's, let's, let's say that to me. There is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. I like that. And nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. So if God is going to bring the things out in hiding, it is better for me to reveal them now. So it takes courage to ask God to search you because you may not like what he finds. It's like a husband in these times saying, hey, you can't go through my phone. Like, like, let me ask the teenagers, um, is it okay for your father to take your phone right now and go through it? If you have to start deleting, something is wrong, right? I mean, is it okay... <laughs> For, for your parent to just take your phone right now and just go through it. For your spouse to take your phone. Alright, I see you're, de- you're deleting already. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Right. But, but, very simple. People just want to use our phones. And we say, just give me a minute. Alright, you can go ahead now. And we're not unlocking. They have to move what they just found on Google, what they were looking at. They have to remove, they have to clear out all your YouTube videos. They have to, I mean, you, listen, it's very hard for pastors to borrow a phone now, you know. Because the moment, the moment you're going to borrow, can I borrow your phone to make a phone call? No, man, give me the number, pastor. I'll dial it for you. <laughs> because... <laughs> But truth is, if you want to go deeper with God, you must ask him to search you. That's how it begins. David then goes on and asks God not only to search, but to know me. David says, know me. Know my heart and know my thoughts. Literally saying, God, know me from the inside out. So this word know in the Hebrew is yada. Y-A-D-A. And it means to know by experience in an intimate way. So David is saying, Lord, I don't just want to read the Bible. I don't just want to hear sermons. I want to know you by experience. I don't know if you know this, but I've often talked to people. And, and they will say, Pastor, you don't know what I have been through. And I'll say to them, how do you know that I've been through some stuff? They say, well, pastor, you have not been through what I've been through. Because there's a difference with the experience. You see, you can read the story, you can hear about it, but there's something about the person that has experienced it that shapes their hearts and their life differently. Sometimes you have to experience it than just 
hear about it. And David is saying, God, I want to have an experience with you. Because that is the way I'm going to get intimate with you. I don't just want to hear that you have healed. I want to experience you as healer. I don't want to just hear that you are a shield. I want to experience you as a shield. I don't want to hear that you keep. I want to experience you as the keeper. God, I want a personal experience with you. Because when I have a personal experience with you, it increases the intimacy that we share. Because David understood that the word intimacy don't mean sexual intercourse. He understood that intimacy means in to me see. That's what intimacy means in its original context. God, into me, see God. Know everything about me. That's the purpose of intimacy. And that is why in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve knew each other, they had a child, they conceived. But they, guess what? Adam and Eve, they knew each other. The intimacy they shared was they were naked and unashamed. Nothing was hidden from the other. Intimacy. Know all about me from the inside out. That's what David is saying. God, know all about me. God, God, go into everything about me. It means intimacy. So David is saying, God, examine my heart and my mind in an intimate way. Because the heart and the mind, again, is the very soul of a man or a woman. It is the inner man. It is the will. It is the soul. It is the understanding. It is the conscience. And so if I can control a person's thoughts, I can control the person. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the Bible says our hearts are wicked and deceitful. It speaks of our sin nature. Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things. And he says it, it is beyond cure. Mark 7.21 says For from within, out of men's heart Wow, this is good, right? Out of men's heart comes what? Evil thoughts. Mark 7.21 It says Listen, listen again. Far from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts. Wait, wait, you hear that? For out of men's heart come evil thoughts. So there's a connection with your heart and your thinking. For out of men's heart comes evil thoughts. It says sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. Where does sexual immorality begin? In the heart. Where does murder begin? Where does adultery begin? You see, David knew that fixing this out here will make no difference if what is in here is not fixed. So he said, God search me and know me. Because David understood that to fix out here, fixing must start in here. So if you change your physical location, you're, uh, uh, all right, you know, at Church on the Rock, we use a term called circumstantial repentance. Because not everybody who says they repent, they repent. They have just changed location, so they don't have the temptation. And changing location and not having the temptation don't mean that you have repented. 
It just means that you don't have the time and the occasion to do what you normally do. Because when you got back to the regular place, you'll do the regular thing if you haven't really changed in your heart. Alright, then, then I don't sometimes you have to answer me so I know that we're on the same page. Right? So 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 say that you are single, well, you're in a relationship and you're unmarried, and you're sleeping around, but you move to the United States so you're not with the person anymore. It don't mean that you have repented. You just change location. Because if you come back to Jamaica, you've probably gone back to the person. So you, you have circumstantial repentance. Your circumstances have changed, so your actions have changed, but your heart is still unrepentant. Amen? And that is why you can, you can change your heart and stay in the same situation and don't do the same act. Making sense? Alright, so the story is told about this guy who was in prison. After six years, he said, went to the judge, he said he believes that I should be going out right now on parole because, I mean, imagine, six years. So the judge says, have you changed? He says, yes. He says, for the last six years, I haven't stolen a thing. And he was telling the truth. So the judge says to him, there's nothing in jail for you to steal. Because not stealing in jail don't mean that you have changed. There's nothing in jail for you to... There you go. <laughs> so we need to change from the inside. So David is asking God to know the very fabric of what is in his heart. That's what David is saying. As a man sinketh in his heart, so is he. So let me ask you, who are you? Tell a neighbor, you are your thinking. So, so ask him, do you have dirty thinking? Ask him, do you have sinful thinking? Because as you think in your heart, The scripture also says in Proverbs 23. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Everything comes from it. That's why Jesus dealt so much with the heart of man. Because what's in the man's heart is what is in the man or the woman. Do you really know who you are inside? Do you think God knows? Yes, God knows. But what he desires is that we allow him to make it known to us. Make it, make it known to us what he knows. So God knows what is in us. So what David was really asking, God, you know what is in me. Make me know what you know about what is in me, God. David is asking God to have an intimate and personal look at his life. And verse 24 of our text, David, David is asking, See if there is any offensive way in me. See, notice David did ask God to look at all the good stuff. He didn't ask him that, right? Do you think we have any offensive ways in us? David knows, God knows all the ways in us, even the offensive ones. 
David wants God to bring those to light. God already knows. David is saying that God bring those offensive ways. Bring the malice and the envy and the jealousy. God bring them to light so I can repent of them. And change and come to be who you want me to be. Why? Because he doesn't want it to hinder his walk with God or others around him. David knew that if these ways stay in me, it's going to hinder my walk with God. It's going to hinder my relationship with people. Today, listen, this morning I said it in the first service, my issue with anyone is an issue with me. Because if I fix me, then most times I am okay with people. But if my heart is wrong, then I'm going to have an issue with people. If my heart is right, then no matter what people are doing, are going through, guess what? My heart is going to stay right towards them. I'm going to tell you how it works. Jesus Christ sat at a table with one who would deny him, one who would betray him, people would forsake him. And his heart towards them never changed. What it means is that when people do things that get your heart to change, it's not the people who are the problem, it is our hearts, that is the problem amen so 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 my wife don't make me angry my wife just brings out the anger in me my wife is not miserable she really not just i'm just impatient so whatever I identify as a problem in you, then I must check what is causing it to be a problem in me. Amen? The issue is we defer. We go back to our default as human. What is our default? The Garden of Eden. Blame someone else. So if my heart if, 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 listen, if you never hurt me, I wouldn't have unforgiveness. Well, it's because you don't talk to me, why I don't talk to you. And if you never malice me, then I never malice you. Like, like, seriously, something is wrong with... You can imagine Jesus says, well, John, hmm, John, well, you don't talk to me this morning. Guess what, John, we in malice. Jesus ain't going to do that. Regardless of what John did, Jesus was going to be Jesus. Because his heart was right. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) So, so, come on, just say it with me. If you're a male, say, my wife is not a problem. Alright, say, if you're a female, say, my husband is not a problem. If you're a parent, say, the kids are not a problem. If you're a Christian, say, church people are not a problem. Just say, the pastor is not a problem. Say, your boss is not a problem. Well, I'm not the problem. Just let, that, let you know that for real. Right? But, but that's not the problem. Listen, and I'm learning that, that the government is not the problem. My issue with the government is an issue with my heart. Because if God put people in position, God has instructed me how to operate where they are concerned. And I stick to that and allow God to do what God do. And I do what I'm supposed to do. Amen? David's Psalms are full of 
him, always asking God to sift him, to try him, to search him. Why? Because he desired more than anything to have a purified life that would exalt the Lord and wanted nothing to keep him from his walk with God. So David says, after you have searched me, you know me, then I give you permission to test me. Now, this is very hard, so I'm going to warn you, you don't have to say this. All right, but if you want to just put your hand up, it's in the Bible. This is not Pastor Omar. And say, Lord, I give you permission to test me. All right, I make sure I warn you that, that, that be careful. You don't have to. But, but David said, Lord, test me. In fact, in the King James Version, it says, try me. So when God searches you and he finds some things that aren't good, he loves us enough to put these things to the test in order to clean them out. So the tests of God, they are different. The tests of God serve two purposes. To grow you up and to clean you up. When God is testing you, he's testing you to get things out of you and he's testing you to get, things to, to get you to go higher. It's like, it's like gold, right? Gold is purified or it is refined. Whatever you want to call it, purified or refined. And what it does is that it becomes the pure gold it's supposed to be at the end. It grows into something better. But while it is going through the process, things are getting off it. So the test of God does that. It gets rid of what ought not to be there. And it also causes you to become what you're supposed to be. So it cleans you up and it grows you up. So when you're asking God to test you, just know that it's not going to be easy. There's a refining and there's going to be a burning. There's going to be a cutting away and there's going to be a growing up. The ultimate goal would be like David tells us in Psalm 17 verse 3. He says, though you probe my heart and examine me at night, though you test me, you will find nothing. I have resolved that my mouth will not sin. So testing from God is really the refining process that he uses to conform us to be more like Jesus. Anyone here this morning wants to be like Jesus? Hallelujah. If you want to be like Jesus, the refining process that God uses to conform us is called testing. You have to be tested so you can be trusted. Faith that cannot be tested Cannot be trusted. You have to go through the testing. To show that you are the real deal. Are you the real deal? You have to go through the testing. Uh, Zechariah 13 verse 9 says. This third I will bring into the fire. The remnant. I will refine them like silver. And test them like gold. In Malachi 3 verse 3 the scripture says. He will sit as a refiner of silver. And purifier of gold. He will purify the Levites. And refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men. Who will bring offerings of righteousness. Until. Listen. Until you go through the testing. There's question about your offering. God has to test your heart to know the real measure of what you're offering. Have to be tested. We do it even in businesses. In businesses, people have what they call a 90-day probationary period, right? I think most companies, 90 days, three months, somewhere there. And what they do, they really bring you through that to see if you, though you have all the necessary qualification on paper, they want to know that the paper translates to 
inward mental ability and attitude. So they give you probation. And if you fail the probation, though you have all the written qualifications, you still don't get the job. Or they extend the probation and extend the testing. In other words, the longer you take to pass the test, do you know that there are many people, for example, who can drive but fail the test to get their driver's license? Well, maybe, I mean, this is Jamaica. I don't know if it's happened in the States, but in Jamaica, the system is really, I mean, you, 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 just, you, you just park right. And they say, well, you didn't park right. <laughs> you, have, you have to pay again. And you know you don't need any more lessons because you know you can drive. But the more you fail, <laughs> is the longer it takes for you to get the license. Right? So it's just like there's a promise that God has for you. But you have to go through the test to get to the promise. So tell your neighbor, pass the test. What are these tests? So we are tested by the storms in life. And they make us stronger. Because God wants the best for us, even though it may hurt going through it. So God brings storms sometimes. Our storms come sometimes to test us. The storms never come to push us away from God. But they come to push us closer to God. Allow the winds of the storm to push you closer to the Lord. So asking God to test you takes great courage. Because when you ask that, I promise you that you are going to be tested. You know, even Satan sometimes is used to test you. You know the story about Job. God said, have you considered my servant Job? But you know that Job passed the test? He went through it and he passed it. So what I love about God is that he gives the test and is with you in the test. And he marks the paper. So he controls it all. And I know that I can pass every test that God gives me because God is with me. Because he promised to never leave me nor forsake me. So James tells me, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. David's desire was for God to purify him and test him in such a way to make sure there was no evil way in him that would hinder his walk with God. Finally this morning, after the searching, the knowing and the testing, then David says, God lead me. Come on, just say that to me. Say, God, lead me. Let me ask you, are you being led by the Lord? David said, after all this, lead me. Not just any old way, but in the way everlasting. In other words, lead me in the right way that, will, that would honor you, God. I love this because it's so simple. All David is, God, God, lead me. Alright, so let me help you. Because many people say, how do I know when God is leading me? If you're going in the way of righteousness and you're honoring God, that's it. Very simple. Walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. I know that God is leading me if I'm going in the paths of righteousness. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He make me delight on him. 
green pastures. He lead me beside the still waters. He lead me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. If I'm walking in the way of righteousness, then God is leading me. If I'm walking the way of sin, God is not leading me. Like, he's not, right? If I'm walking in a way that goes against the Bible and the word of God, God is not leading me. If I'm walking in a way that it goes with, it aligns with the word of God, it means that God is leading me. Very simple. So David is seeking God's guidance in his life to guide him in the right way. In the right way. Right? Uh, so, 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 let me tell you how I know God is leading me. Very simple. People say, boy, there was a raffle. How oh, you don't enter the raffle? Oh, there is a, why you don't buy it? Hey, listen, you know how much money you can win if you buy the lotto? Listen, I said, listen, God is leading me. And one thing I know in gambling, I'm going to give you four examples. One, gambling. For you to win, everybody else has to lose. That's not God leading. You can only win if everybody else lose. And God don't want no losers. Right? So, so, can't I just talk to anybody? Yeah, you can talk to anybody. But if God is leading you, you're going to be yoked with somebody who is godly. Because what fellowship does light have with darkness? Now, you may not agree with that, but it is the Bible. That, that's it. Amen? You, you, you know why I honor authority? Because God is leading me. And the scripture says all authority is from God and is of God. And so he gives me one instruction. You know why I love my wife? Not because she's lovely. She is lovely. But I love her because God says love your wife as Christ loved the church. God is very clear. If God never wanted me to love my wife, I said don't love her. So she don't have to ask me to love her because God already tell me to. It means that she can't get me to stop loving. The only person can get me to stop loving my wife is God. Because my wife did not give me any commandment to love her. I don't love her because of her. I love her because of God's command in marriage. So people always ask me, so pastor, but what if she do this? And what if she, she can do what, listen, she can do whatever she wants to do. I have one command, and that is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. I know it don't make any sense to a lot of people, but it makes sense to me. Amen, amen. Let that one soak in a little bit. So let me ask, let me ask, is there any of you who desire for God to lead and guide you? That should be your desire. It was David's desire. David says, in Psalm 5, verse 8, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness, in the right way. In Psalm 27, 11, he says, teach me your way, O Lord, lead me in a straight path, in the right way. Psalm 27, 11, he says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a straight path. And Psalm 143, 10, he says, may your good spirit lead me on level ground, which is the right path. So God desires to lead us down right paths, his paths that leads to the best for our lives. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. But let me give you Psalm 25, verse 8 and 10. Scripture says this. 
The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his ways. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. All who keeps his command and obey his demands. Psalm 139, 119 verse 35 says, Direct me in the paths of your commands, for there I find delight. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. The, the Lord's prior in Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He promised to lead us, as Isaiah 30, verse 21 says, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Listen, if you're a child of God, God is always telling you where to go. Are you listening to his leading? The biggest mistakes I've made in my life is when I've gone and then I try to call God to come on down and help me. I say, oh my Lord, God, I'm in crisis. Come, Jesus. I need you. Come and take me out. And then I follow him out of whatever mess I'm in. And then I say, thank you, Jesus. All right, if I need you again, I will call you. Because we treat Jesus like the fire brigade. Fire services. Right? We just call when there is a fire. Really, he ought to be like more like a fire extinguisher. He's just right there. All the time. Always on the call and in the ball. On the ball. For this, God is our God. Forever and ever, he will be our guide even to the end. David's desire, David's cry, David's prayer is that God would lead him in the way everlasting. And it should be ours as well. See, I know, church, that God is not done with me yet. I know I need him to lead me, to search me, to test me, to know me. I also know that he wants to go deeper with you, he wants to go deeper with me, but the question is, do we have the courage like David to pray and to pray what David prayed? Search me, O God. Lay open all my ways. The secret places, search me. Know me, O God. Know all the ins and the outs and help me to know myself. Test me, O God. Put me in the fire. Refine me and purify my life. Lead me, O Lord. Lead me in your ways. Not my ways. In your ways. Guide my path for your name's sake. Do you want to go deeper in your walk with God? If you do, you must be willing to pray the prayer of courage. And also know that when we pray this prayer that David prayed, we must be prepared because God will do it. But it will make us more like Jesus when he is done. Amen? Listen, just bow your heads with me. Let me just close this out. don't know where you are in terms of your relationship but I know that there is always 
a higher place that we can go in God. There's always room for improvement because you're a constant work in progress. I don't know if you need God's searching, you need testing, you need leading, or you need him to know you. Maybe you need all four. Maybe you need two of the four, three of the four, one of the four. But maybe all of us this morning we stand in the need of searching, testing, leading or knowing. God is waiting, he's willing and he's available. You know that there are probably things in your heart and places that things that you have hidden deep down from people. But here it is that God is saying, "I love you so much that I want to create a new heart in you. I want to lead you. I want to test you and refine you." so you become more like Jesus. Listen if any of these four things the searching, the knowing, the testing or the leading. You said that's me. I need searching, I need testing, I need leading. I need God to know me and make me known to me. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right where you are. I want to pray with you. I want to come into agreement with you. that God this morning as he search us he would take us to a higher place he'd take us to a deeper place in him there'll be a yada an intimacy by experience that there'll be a knowing by experience when it's not just somebody else's story but we have come to know God by experience that we will go through the testings knowing that they're not designed to push us away from God but they're designed to push us closer to God that we need his leading for the steps of the righteous are ordered by the lord and he leads us in paths of righteousness hallelujah if you're standing just lift your hands right where you are and listen god god loves us unconditionally right and it doesn't matter Others things God knows our heart and right where you are whatever it is like just just say God search me or say God lead me you you just open your mouth and you be honest and open with him and just say God I desire change for the better Hallelujah just go ahead and speak to your loving heavenly father Thank you Jesus Hallelujah. Come on saints of God if you're not standing just pray for them. Listen this this is such a, a pivotal day in your journey of faith. Because God is challenging you, but the bigger deal is that he's changing you. And if you commit to be led by the Lord you will never be how you were before so heavenly father in the name of jesus like david we courageously pray that you would search us and know our hearts we pray see if there be any offensive way in us and lead us in the way everlasting I pray oh God that our steps will be ordered by the Lord that we will walk after the spirit 
so we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I pray that we'll remember that in the times of testing, you promise to never leave us nor forsake us. You are there with us. You administrate the test. You lead us through the test. So we will pass. We will get past it. We will pass through it. We'll get over it. For we are more than conquerors. And we are overcomers. Lord God Almighty, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will make our hearts known to us. When you search, Lord God, whatever the findings are, show it to us, Lord God. So we can make the changes that are necessary. As you said that David was a man after your own heart, God, we pray that that will be your declaration over our lives in the name of Jesus. And so I pray for those who have stood obediently to your calling. God, I pray for the zeal of God to consume them. Come on, just lift your hands and God, I pray that the anointing of the Spirit of the living God like fresh oil will fall upon them this morning. We pray for inward transformation. A conforming to the image and the likeness of Christ our Savior. Give them wisdom. Give them eyes to discern the evil that is before them and to discern the moves of the spirit that is around them. Thank you that greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. I declare that because God is for them, then who can be against them? Lord, we bless you. We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' strong and mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 Amen and amen and amen. Come on, clap your hands for Jesus. Come on, he deserves a bigger hand clap than that. Come on, just just jump to your feet. Come on, just jump to your feet and give him a big hand clap. God is good. He's mighty and he's strong. Don't give him no pata cake. You understand me? Hallelujah. There we go. We thank you, Lord. May your grace and your peace be upon your people. Bless them and their household. May you surround them with your shalom. Forever they are in your arms and no one can pluck them from your hands. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. amen.